Hello, and welcome to Medicine in Layman's Terms. Whether you are a patient looking to understand more about your health, a student looking to brush up on common medical terms, or a provider wanting ideas to explain diagnoses to your patients, I invite you to join me every week as we break down basic medicine into layman's terms. I am your host, Erin Lehman Rhodes, a certified physician assistant, and let's get started. Meet Todd. Todd is a 67-year-old male presenting to the emergency department with his wife, Kayla, for chest pain. He originally thought it was his GERD acting up since he was also feeling nauseated. However, he became concerned when he started feeling dizzy as well. After an EKG, the emergency department nurse practitioner explains to him that he is having a heart attack and gives him aspirin to chew while also hooking him up to more machines. Todd is then transferred upstairs with the cardiology team for further testing and treatment. His wife, Kayla, then asks the nurse practitioner some questions, including about the treatment plans, why he gave Todd the aspirin, and how they can prevent another heart attack in the future. Welcome back, everyone. I know I took a little bit of a hiatus, um, got busy, I moved, uh, started two new jobs, actually. However, we're back recording episodes, and I'm excited about some upcoming blog posts. So let's get started. Today, we are going to talk about heart attacks. Per the American Heart Association, someone in the United States has a heart attack approximately every 40 seconds. Uh, Furthermore, cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death in the U.S., So, without further ado, what is a heart attack? A heart attack is also known as something called a myocardial infarction, or an MI. And this occurs when the heart muscle suddenly doesn't receive enough blood flow. So, let's think of your heart as a giant ball of muscle. And blood is responsible for transporting oxygen throughout the body and then delivering it to our tissues, like the heart muscle. And these tissues, including the heart muscle, need that oxygen to function and to survive. When the blood flow to the heart muscle is drastically decreased or suddenly cut off completely, part of that heart muscle may die or be severely damaged. And this is what we call a heart attack. So what are the symptoms of a heart attack? Symptoms of a heart attack can vary. Some people have mild symptoms, while the first symptom for others may be cardiac arrest. And hold on, I know that we're starting off on some big words, so let's just break this down real quick. Cardiac arrest is when the heart stops beating. A heart attack is when that blood flow to the heart is blocked. Brief anatomy. Please don't turn it off. I swear it's going to be brief. The heart is told to beat by electrical currents. And if there's a problem with transmitting this electrical signal to or throughout the heart, the heart can start pumping in a very irregular way. This is called an arrhythmia. One arrhythmia that we talk about a lot is ventricular fibrillation, otherwise known as V-fib. It's a rhythm that causes the heart to beat rapidly and inadequately. If you watch Grey's Anatomy or other medical shows, at one point someone definitely yells, you know, V-fib, starting CPR, prepare to shock, things like that. Um, And that is actually medically accurate. Back on track. So during a heart attack, part of the heart's muscles' blood flow is decreased or cut off. This can change the way the electrical signals move through the heart because part of that tissue or that muscle that's responsible for helping get that electrical signal through the heart is damaged. When that's damaged and they're not moving through the heart normally, we can get an arrhythmia like V-fib, which can cause sudden cardiac arrest, which is when your heart just stops beating. I know that's a lot of kind of different terms at once, but I think sometimes it's nice to kind of have them laid out for us or kind of in our heads. So symptoms can vary. Common symptoms include chest discomfort, and this can be a pressure, a tightness, a squeezing, 
One buzz phrase that we often hear people say is that they feel like an elephant is, quote, sitting on their chest. This pain is often either in the center of the chest, the left of the chest, and it may radiate or kind of shoot to other parts of our body, including our left shoulder, arm, or jaw. Other common symptoms can include cold sweats, fatigue, lightheadedness, nausea, and shortness of breath. What are the causes? The most common cause of heart attacks is something called coronary artery disease. The coronary arteries are the little arteries that bring blood to and around the heart. Coronary artery disease occurs when one or more of these coronary arteries become blocked off. And this is most commonly due to a buildup of plaque in the artery. This narrows the artery and decreases the blood flow. Plaque is primarily made up of fats and cholesterol. If a plaque breaks open or ruptures, a blood clot then form around it, and this also blocks the blood flow. There can be complete or partial blockage of the arteries. Another less common cause is if there's a spasm in one of the arteries. Spasms can cause severe squeezing of the coronary arteries, which then decreases flow. Certain drugs, especially stimulants, including cocaine and amphetamines, can trigger coronary artery spasms and lead to a heart attack. What are the risk factors? As with other conditions touched on in previous episodes and, spoiler alert, going to come up in future ones, advancing age is definitely a risk factor. Men aged 45 and older and women aged 55 and older are considered higher risk than younger men and women. There are also certain risk factors or diseases, pathologies that increase your risk for heart disease and subsequent heart attacks. Per recent studies, almost half of Americans have at least one of the three risk factors for heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and smoking. Over time, high blood pressure damages the arteries of the heart, and this can increase your risk for a heart attack. Having high levels of quote-unquote bad cholesterol and or high levels of triglycerides also narrows the arteries, and it can increase this risk. Tobacco use, which is important to mention that this includes both smoking and long-term exposure to secondhand smoke, can damage the arteries in your body, make them a little bit more stiff, and create clots easier. A family history of a heart attack in a male family member younger than 55 or a female younger than 65 can also increase this risk, which is why it's really important to have this conversation with your doctor because there are preventative medications that we start people on, especially let's say your father had a heart attack at 40. Diagnosing a heart attack. There are multiple test options to diagnose a heart attack. One very common one, which Kayla asked the nurse practitioner about in our case, is an electrocardiogram, also known as an ECG or an EKG. As we discussed, our heart beats based on electrical signals. So when we perform an EKG, we put electrodes along the chest, sometimes arms and legs as well. And these electrodes are then going to record the electrical signals as they travel through the heart. And then they take that and they turn them into waves that we can read um, on a printout. Other tests that are useful, when the heart is damaged, it releases these little molecules that are called cardiac enzymes. And certain blood tests can identify these very specific enzymes and these indicate heart damage. An echocardiogram uses ultrasound to watch how the blood moves through the heart, and this can be very useful in identifying if and where an area has been damaged. Oftentimes, multiple of these tests are used in conjunction or all together when diagnosing a heart attack and determining the extent of damage. Treatment options. The goal of treatment is to restore blood flow to the heart muscle and to do so in a very timely manner. 
Every minute truly matters when it comes to a heart attack because with each moment that the heart muscle is not receiving adequate blood supply, that tissue is damaged or dying. With each passing minute, this damage can worsen. Therefore, if you think that you or someone else may be having a heart attack, please call 911 immediately. Let's say with this case, they see that he's having a heart attack. They're going to start oxygen. And there are often multiple different medications that we give during and then also after the heart attack. One such medication is aspirin. Aspirin makes the blood more slippery, let's say, and it reduces clotting in the blood to help keep the blood moving through a narrowed artery. So this is why the nurse practitioner had Chad chew the aspirin immediately to try to get it into his bloodstream faster. There are drugs known as thrombolytics, which translates to clot busters, which, surprise, break up blood clots to try to help keep that blood flow in the heart. Nitroglycerin is a medication that we often give under the tongue, and this can widen the blood vessels. We also give morphine to help relieve chest pain. If an artery remains blocked despite all of these medications, surgery can be performed to force or manually open the blocked artery. And this is actually a really cool procedure. So a thin, tiny catheter is guided up to your heart, oftentimes going in through your leg, and then a tiny balloon is inflated to widen that blocked artery. A small tube called a stent may then be placed to help keep this artery open and lower the risk of that artery narrowing again. Another option is a procedure called coronary artery bypass surgery, referred to by the much easier phrase, cabbage. A surgeon takes a healthy blood vessel from another part of the body and creates a new vessel and then a subsequent new pathway for the blood in the heart. Blood can then go around that severely damaged coronary artery. Often at the time of discharge, other medications can be started to decrease the chance of a second heart attack. A lot of this is also preventing or treating conditions that increase a person's risk for a heart attack. We kind of touched on this a little bit just because I think a lot of this is intermingled, but our last section is how can we prevent a heart attack? Maintaining a healthy weight through regular exercise and a well-balanced diet is crucial. You can manage other health conditions with your provider like diabetes or hypertension, which may increase your risk of a heart attack. Stress management has been associated with decreased risk for heart attacks and once more, just stop smoking, please. I touched on this a little bit before, and this isn't really preventative as much, but I wanted to stress the importance of CPR. We talked about how when your heart stops beating, death can occur within minutes. CPR, in short, is a way that we can manually pump blood to the body, particularly to someone's heart and brain. This alone can keep people alive until emergency medical personnel can arrive. And you can also learn how to use something called an AED, which can deliver a little electric shock to the heart to get it pumping again. I think sometimes it's very important. And I like to mention that learning how to perform CPR can truly save a life, especially someone who's having a heart attack or sudden cardiac arrest. So I'd encourage you to check out the American Heart Association or other CPR classes in your area. And that, my friends, is a grand overview of heart attacks. Join us next week when we talk about diabetes. If you want more information or you have any questions, feel free to reach out. My Instagram handle is R-H-O-A-D-T-O-P-A, road to PA. You may also email me at R-H-O-A-D-T-O-P-A at gmail.com. Feel free to like and subscribe and check out our podcast's website for today's show notes and links to articles mentioned. Have a wonderful week.